I really learned well from an asshole boss that, you know, a couple asshole bosses that you can just, you know, if you treat people halfway decent and give them money and insurance, they'll respect you and like do things for you. That was Mike Lynch, screen printer and owner of Babylon Burning. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, we bring you artists, movie makers, musicians, and other San Franciscans talking about living, working, and doing their thing here. It's a way to get to know your neighbors. Welcome to episode 47, part one. In this podcast, Mike talks about moving to San Francisco and some of the jobs he had before he ended up at Babylon Burning, a screen printing shop that opened back in 1976. The original owner eventually wanted out, and Mike sees the opportunity to take over. He's been running the place now since the late 90s. Here's Mike. It's funny, when I moved out here from Maine in uh, 1987, um, I remember looking, I was looking for a job. I did some screen printing on my own in Maine. Did I say I was from Maine? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, oh, actually, I'd never been on an airplane. <laughs> my first airplane trip was here. Um, what brought you here? Uh, all my friends, because we, we had like a, all my friends from Boston and from Maine, they all moved out here. And I was like, there were 30, 30 kids. Wow. We were kids back then um, that moved out here. What was I'm, the draw? I think the draw was just, you know, getting away from the snow. Um, just a change of scenery, right? We, we grew up in punk rock days of the late 70s and, and early 80s. And then it kind of had been like um, burning out in the east coast you know i mean the music scene was great oh the music scene in boston was so good but uh i think it was just a change of pace for everyone and uh teenagers and early 20s we all moved out here it was great it was like a second wave of like music can go into shows definitely didn't go to as many shows as i did but it was more now i could go to bars so it was like kind of going to bars and hopping around um but i had dabbled in some screen printing in Maine, uh, me and a couple of friends had some ideas for shirts, and we did them in really low-key, low-budget ones. Were they um, for, for bands or yeah, political? Yeah, bands, or? and then trying to sell some to local stores, consignment and stuff. Uh, but they were hokey and whatever. The ideas now, didn't seem they seemed great then, but they weren't. We need a Humphrey Bogart t-shirt. Everyone wants a Humphrey Bogart t-shirt. Really? <laughs> they didn't. Um, but anyway, so when I got out here, my brother had already lived out here. I have a brother three years older than me. A younger one also, who's still in Maine. But um, And he, I don't know, for some reason, I don't know if it's reverse psychology. He's like, you're never going to find a job out here. Um, <laughs> good luck, kid. Yeah, good luck, kid. Never going to find one. And then I remember applying for a job on a place on Shipley Street, which is uh, right up between 5th and 4th, between Folsom and Harrison. little street called Shipley's, right by Harvey's. Uh, I went there, applied for the job. 
uh, a folding T-shirts, and I got it, and then I had it for the next twelve years. Wow! I know, I never had a job before. Then I worked for the next twelve years there, gave my life away to Harvey's because I didn't have an ID, and they he would just run up tabs, and I used to give my whole paycheck to him. Uh, and then it was funny. Funny story is I wanted to get into printing, but I was just folding shirts. And then a guy came in to print shirts, and he looked like he knew what he was doing, and he was working really fast. And and I kind of remember feeling jealous. I was like, oh, I wanted that gig because they needed a printer, but I just wasn't experienced enough yet, I guess. But then the guy worked for three hours, did a whole bunch of shirts, and nobody was really watching him. And then he never came back from lunch. And then they went over and looked, and he had screwed up all these shirts. He was half printing them and stuff. And that's where my career kind of took off. My boss at the time said, you want to learn how to print? And then I started printing, and that was in 87. Kind and of then, right place at the right time. Yeah, maybe. right place at Just, the right time. Yeah. Then printed for all. He had all local stuff too, right? But what was great, the name of that shop? It was called Graphic Sportswear. Still around, still oh. friends with these guys. Yeah. They were like my bad fathers. Right, they were like, because I was a teenager, mm-hmm. all doing drugs and drinking, and um, and they were older than me, but they, you know, would let me partake and <laughs> let me stay in their place, crash in their place on their floors and stuff. Um, but they kind of looked after me too, because I was definitely a newbie in San Francisco. Um, so then I worked there for a long time. Wasn't really. Ge- you know, I, I printed for a long time, but it's a real burnout job. It's really hard on your body. And um, after a while, I learned how to run the automatic, and that's a little bit easier on your body. But, I mean, it's not, it wasn't really fulfilling. I was, you know, partying too much and trying to get a new career. And so I got sober, which really helped me, um, and then started looking into going to school. And I went back to school. I couldn't figure out City College. Um, so I started going to College of Marin. I was screen printing in the daytime, eight hours, and then three hours over to Marin and back. And oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, but I did it. I did it for, I did it for about four years um, and didn't, still didn't graduate from college. But, um, then I went to paramedic school, thinking I was going to do a whole new direction. Um, that didn't work out. And then I had a whole fr- bunch of friends that worked at Babylon when Babylon was on 2nd and Howard Street. Okay. And this would be in the um, uh, early 90s. Okay. Early 90s. Um, my brother had some shirts in there that the old owner would print and did consignment for him and... Um, so I had a whole bunch of friends that worked there. I knew about the place. Um, but when Babylon moved to this location where it's at now at 63 Bluxom Street in 1989, right after the earthquake, I started working here part-time. I was going to school. Um, I had quit graphic sports where I was working here sort of part-time, still going to school. Uh, and then... Uh, I wanted to get away from printing altogether. Well, I was going to ask real fast, what, what about this place made you want to work here versus... Well, at the time, companies? I just needed a job. Uh, and I had already had 10 years of screen printing, so I was a pretty experienced printer. 
um, while I was going to school because I was thinking, oh, paramedic, that's what I want to be, which didn't work out. Um, but then I said, maybe I'll get on the other side of it. Maybe I'll get on sales. And then I got a gig at this place called Crux Productions. And I was doing sales. My boss um, at the time had Shepard Ferry as a client. <laughs> and so I worked with Shepard and I was really trying to help him push Obey. He and I were pretty close. Uh, so early 90s, my boss had um, bought the rights to him and we had, had printed all this stock and he would come up from LA and, and he would have these great designs and um, I would try to go shop it on Hate Street. Everyone hated it. and uh, <laughs> um, But that boss was kind of a prick and uh, and the shepherd thing, I could see that that was, he was trying to get away from this guy too. Um, and so then I left there and the old owner at Babylon, who I really liked, so an old surfer dude, super great guy. Um, guy from Pacifica, he was a Vietnam vet. He named Babylon after, you know, he was kind of a Rastafarian surfer, Vietnam vet guy, super great, mellow guy. And then he also loved the ruts and the song Babylon Burning, so he kind of named it after that. What was his name? His name's Steve Patton. He's Steve. still around. I still talk to him every once in a while. Um, and he uh, was looking to get rid of the business. He was kind of faltering. I remember that he had come over to Graphic Sports Work, kind of looking for work, because um, he was not... He wasn't really... He was just burning out. He had had the business for 20-something years. But I had a young... He had a young guy working for him who the minute I met him, he was me 12 years prior. Mm -hmm. This young punk rock kid. And and Steve, Steve was the owner. And he really liked him and he could feel his energy. And he really liked screen printing. Um, He had a bunch of his friends working here. So I said... I had gotten through the job at Crux Productions and I... I needed a job. I wasn't paramedic school wasn't working out, and college wasn't working out. I said his name was Brian. He was running it, and I said, "Listen, I need a job. I learned how to do sales. I'll come in there. You and I are kind of, you know, we once we met each other, we hit it off really good." And he's like, "No," he's like, "I can't afford to pay you." He goes, "Steve has buried the business. He's just really far in debt." And I don't know how long it's going to last, you know. I go, well, why don't I come down for a little bit and we'll see how it goes, you know. And once I got in here, um, seeing what was going on, really looking at all the history of Babylon, I'm like, it was not this job I just came from. Like, hey, do you need some T-shirts? It's an embarrassing call. This is like calling the Castro Theater and saying, do you know that we're still around and we used to print for you and we want to print for you again? And they're like, great. We always love the owner. Of per- calling the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Calling Everett Middle School. And just, it snowballed. And within, the old owner was probably two to $300,000 in debt. And we had it paid off in two years. Wow. Yeah, Damn. we just... We just meshed well, and, yeah, and it was just working again. It wasn't uh, cold calling; it was it was calling these existing clients, yeah, um, and saying, "Hey, we're still here." 
believe it or not, we're still here and um, and we're killing it. We're doing so great. And then Steve actually had a, you know, he gave the business to Brian. He said, I'm done with it. You just take it over. And and then he could see how well we're doing. He said, I think I'm coming back. And we said, <laughs> nah, no, we'll buy it from you. And and um, it got a little messy, but it all worked out. He, want, he said one price, another thing came up, but we worked it out because he's such a great guy. And... Um, and he deserved everything he did. He deserved what this place was worth. And its way, its, its history is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, after we had multiple meetings, we're like, you're right. It's, it, we'll, we'll pay you whatever you want. We paid off all this debt. Um, and in two or three years, we should be fine and the place should be humming. Um, and it was. It was some great with some great clients great great history of this place and so um, you and brian co-owned it at that point owned it at that point um he um again he was uh he was 12 years uh younger than me he um he was just like me too partier going to shows i was trying to start a family and met a woman Oh, we're going to have kids. and um, So we're definitely on different paths, but business sense, we could see what was going on. We're like, this is great. We're going to do well. Uh, and we were. But his his partying days caught up to him too. Um, he wasn't coming in. Um, he had also hired a bunch of his friends who I'm still... I know them and and they know me and I don't think they think bad of me but Brian was making them some promises like hey this business is going to be all of ours but I could see it wasn't there were two leaders that ran this place that went to the attorneys and that went to uh, uh, you know city hall and did all the legal things to run a company and it was us they were kind of the workers that helped so much but I wouldn't want to get in business with any of them. Yeah. So there was a little bit of bad blood for a while, but then it all kind of worked out, and then uh, Brian just kind of stopped coming in. Hmm. Uh, I remember it because I ha- he had set up a meeting with the Hells Angels, uh, San Francisco branch, um, and they were coming in on a Monday, and Brian wasn't here on a Monday. So I had to <laughs> deal with them, uh, which... I think we had a relationship for about 10 years with them too. And, um, but I knew like right then I'm like, this is getting too much. I'm, I'm taking on everything. And, and then he's, yeah, he stopped basically coming in and then he left. He just, as you know, a not thinking 23 year old, he just walked away from the business. 23. Yeah. Yikes. 25 maybe yeah. just up and walked away. So, uh, I gave him some money, but you know, not what he should have got. You know, but he said, "Give me a couple of grand, and I'll sign over the business." And I did, and then I've been running it ever since. And that was like probably 2001. I started. I was owned it by myself. Uh, a quick story. I remember I had a boss that gave me $200 for a Christmas bonus one time. And I remember thinking, wow, that is, that's like respect. You're like, 
I know he's a millionaire, but that $200 to me back in 1987 was so great. I remember like, wow, he really does. He really thinks of me. The next year, he had gotten some free almanacs from somebody. And he, <laughs> I remember him giving them out to people. I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that my employees like respect me. And again, it's like, they all have their own lives and I try to be a, a good person to them. I know they all have families and, and I try to give summer bonuses and winter bonuses and um, pay for their insurance. Um, and it's a pretty decent place to work, I think. So, How many employees do you have right now? Uh, nine. So it's a pretty big ship. Yeah. Um, Are they like mix of full-time, part-time? or It's all... Full time. Well, um, people leave early for school, a couple of days a week, but it's mostly all full timers. Yeah, um, it is. It's all full timers. They might just thirty five hours or so, but kids with you know guys with kids. Everyone's a kid compared to me. Um, <laughs> but they all. Most of them have families and are married, and um, which is really great too. It works out good. I feel like. I don't really have the young guys that I'm worried about are going to go running away. So they're kind of like, we're all kind of in it. Yeah. You know? So And it's, at the moment, right now, it's at a good pace right now. So Cool. And the art gallery, too, that's inside here at 63 Bluxom Street Gallery is another joy of mine because as much as I love Babylon, just like anything, uh, you're doing this podcast after 10, 20 years, you're going to be like, mm, I need a little bit of something else. And this gallery has really done that for both my wife and I. It's like it's like our little escape to have these little shows every other month. And uh, um, yeah, I'm blessed to have it. Yeah, it's cool because it's, I mean, it's technically in, this, in the shop, yeah. same thing, but it's so different. It is. Like you said, I think you just called it an escape. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like it. And everything is like, as necessity would have it, everything is like machinery and chemicals and everything. And then you come in here and it's like white walls and art. Yep. Yeah. I know. We got, it was great because yeah, I wish I had pictures of it before. I think we do have pictures of, it was all oil, car parts and like oil, mm -hmm. like toxic crap in this room and then. My brother came. My brother moved back from L.A. and he was looking for something to do. And he's an artist. And we just both looked at this room. And I'm like, I think we could turn it into like a little gallery, which was great because in turn, the old owner of this building used to have an art gallery here in the '60s, so it worked out really great. And he was he passed away, but when we opened this place, the gallery seven years ago, he was like came to the first show he was so happy that we're trying to still keep the arts here and it's hard check back on thursday when mike will talk about owning a small business in a san francisco that keeps changing dramatically music for this episode is by joe bigale film photography is by michelle kilfeather follow storied san francisco on facebook twitter and instagram our website, where you can find all the episodes, plus a store where you can buy our merchandise, is storiedsf.com. 
If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Send comments and suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>